It's the August 9th, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, Elizabeth Warren's favorite curse word, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> Coming up, brain drains. That's right, Mahler, brain drains. Joshua trees, fed now, less Trump, more filling, and more. But first, do you ever worry about getting sucked into a black hole, Mike? You know, I've seen enough Star Trek films uh-huh. to know that if you're in the right kind of spaceship, it's not a big deal, but I don't think <laughs> yeah. that it would be a good thing to have happen. Astronomers found a humongous black hole 40 billion times the mass of our sun. That's amazing. It's think about the, that. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. Okay. Hmm. No. 40 billion yeah. times. Yeah. That's four. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> Muller's thought about it. Yeah. Not too impressed. Okay. It's at the center of a galaxy called Holmberg 15A. It just rolls off the tongue. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, elliptical galaxy 700 million light years away, which in turn sits at the center of the Abel 85 galaxy cluster. You know that place. The black <laughs> hole is the biggest found by tracking the movement of stars around it. Yeah. It's a way of tracking black holes. Mm-hmm. This one was discovered by just following how stars around it are, are reacting are to it. Yeah. It's not the most massive black hole ever detected. That would be Quasar Tun 618. <laughs> Another great name. And how big is that one, Nathan? That's 66 billion times the mass of our sun. God. That's a lot more masses. <laughs> that is a lot yeah. more masses. But that was based on indirect measurements, not the measurement of stars, but those astronomers up there doing indirect things. At 40 billion solar masses, Holm 15A's event horizon or gravitational radius, you know, that means, you know, how far it's sucking, would engulf the orbits of all the planets in the solar system. And then some. And then some. So it might even stretch out all the way (laughs) to Mahler. That's right. You know, astronomers were busy last week. Yeah. They announced that they had discovered a potentially habitable super-Earth just 31 light years away. That's just all. 31? Yeah. Well, in terms of what you keep hearing, you know, 700 million light years, yeah. you know, this sounds reasonable. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know. And we might need it. <laughs> Sooner rather than later, actually. Yeah. Because uh, a quarter of humanity faces looming water crisis. According to New World Resources Institute, 17 countries around the world are currently under extremely high water stress, meaning they are using almost all the water they have. Yeah. And the hope is that that nature will replenish it. The problem is increasingly becoming that because of the humanity involved in terms of how many people there are, the ability of the the ecosystem to replenish the water in the quantities needed is becoming more and more difficult. Many are arid countries to begin with. Yeah. Some are squandering the water they have. Several are relying too heavily on groundwater. Mexico, yeah. In those countries, 
are several big thirsty cities that have faced acute water shortages recently, including Sao Paulo, Brazil, Chennai, India, and Cape Town, South Africa. More than a third of major urban areas and with more than three million people are under high or extremely high water stress. How many? Was more that? than a third uh -huh. of major urban areas with more than three million oh, people. More than yeah. Climate change heightens the risk, of course. That's why we're talking about this. The old climate crisis is making things worse because as rainfall becomes more erratic, and we can't count on anything being when we count on it anymore, right. the water supply becomes less reliable. Right. At the same time, as the days grow hotter, we get thirstier. Right. So we're using more of it. The water is evaporating. Right. And, and, and in many of these regions, the, yeah. the, the infrastructure is not there to capture rainwater in an efficient way, to be able to funnel it into reserves. Yeah, like Los Angeles, we're working on it here. Exactly right. But we don't really have a good system, considering how deserty like we are here, or Mediterranean, however you want to look at well, it. Well, even in a poor rain season, where we don't get very much rain, there is way more than enough in a very poor season to take care of everything in Los Angeles and Southern California. Yep. If we, we were able to held capture out cups, yeah. everybody held out cups, well, captured it all. This is crazy, and but it's true. Up until just a few years ago, it was illegal for you to put a rain barrel in Get your out. yard. Why? Because the water technically belonged to the county or the state. I can't remember you know the, how stupid the, that is. the authorization of for that is. But, yeah. but basically, it was illegal to do yeah. that because that wasn't your water technically. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And now, so now it's completely flipped. They're encouraging people to bring in rainwater, any sort of device that will capture water. Yeah, you'll get my water when you pull it from my dry, <laughs> dead hands. Yeah. Yeah, today among the cities with more than 3 million people, 33 of them, with a combined population of 255 million, face extremely high water stress. If you want to see civil unrest in the world, yeah. turn on your tap and no water comes out. Yeah. That is a good place to start if you want serious civil unrest. By 2030, the number of cities with extremely high water stress is expected to rise to 45 and include nearly 470 million people. What can we do about this, Mike? Improve water management, like That's, you were saying. Yeah. We can look for ways to plug leaks in the water distribution system. That's right. Uh, wastewater can be recycled. That's right. You know, the city of Irvine yeah. is one of the best water systems in the world. Yeah. It's one of those, I don't know, little known facts but they don't brag about it enough. And if you live here in Irvine, you should be very proud yeah. of the water system that's been sent up over the years. Right. Yeah. Rain can be harvested and saved for lean times, like yeah. you're saying, yeah. with barrels. Lakes and wetlands can be cleaned up, and old wells can be restored. Farmers can switch from water-intensive crops, like rice, to things like millets. It's a good substitute, right. and it doesn't use as much water. Right. Or stop growing alfalfa yeah. for cows exactly. in China. And get rid of your goddamn lawns. And get rid of your goddamn lawns. And your lawns. swimming pools. And your swimming pools. And also there's another higher level way to address this, and that is there should be less water districts. Around the state of California, there are literally hundreds of water districts, yeah. and they all have their own agendas. Now, Irvine happens to be a shining example of how to run one, but there should be a higher level of manage regional management for water because you, you waste a lot of water in between these different uh, jurisdictions. 
Also, according to a UN report, the world's land and water resources are being exploited at unprecedented rates, which combined with climate change is putting dire pressure on the ability of us to feed ourselves. A half billion people already live in places turning into desert. And soil is being lost between 10 and 100 times faster than it is forming. Climate change will make those threats even worse because floods, drought, storms, and other types of extreme weather will threaten to disrupt and over time shrink the global food supply. That's right. And that's no fun. No. And and also nutrient-rich soil is being washed away in floods. And it's moving yeah. downstream. Now, it may end up being effective downstream, but often it ends up going into the ocean, which it's which is no no fun at all. So these are all things that are in some manner of speaking manageable and we can take advantage of our infrastructure more effectively, but these are looming yeah. crises. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of food, yeah. 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 The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Office of Inspector General challenged the Trump administration's authority to move two U.S. Department of Agriculture science agencies out of Washington, D.C. Considering where we are, and this is what's so frustrating about the Trump administration, to have not very bright people running the country. Right. People who don't pay attention to what scientists are discovering about the world. Right. It's a very bad time for that. It couldn't be worse. Yeah. It literally couldn't be. So they're moving the Department of Agriculture right. away from D.C., and we'll get to exactly why. The plan to relocate the two agencies from the district to Kansas City may have run afoul of the 2018 Appropriations Act. In 2018, in August, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue unveiled a plan to relocate the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, which oversees $1.7 billion in scientific grants and funding, and the Economic Research Service, a federal statistical agency that publishes influential reports on agricultural trade and rural America to Kansas City. Going to move it to Kansas City. Both agencies lease office space in D.C. About two-thirds of nearly 400 employees refuse the assignment and will lose their jobs. Right. Now, these are people that have been working for 20, 25 years right. at the agency, and all of a sudden they're moving from D.C. to Kansas City. That's a pretty hard move for a lot of people. And the length of time in which they had to make the move was less yeah. than two months. I think it was about a month. They had to make the decision yeah. and be there. And not only that, you're doing something that's not going to be working with the government anymore. As You won't have the close ties with the government. Right. Your job description has now suddenly changed. Right. And I think a lot of these people saw the writing on the wall, at least as far as the idiots that are running the country right now. They moved to Kansas City. Next thing they know, they don't have a job. And you said so at the top of this story, and that is, this is what happens when the dominant political party that's in power has virtually no respect for actual governance. Yeah. That they're about power. Or science. Or science. Yeah. So they have no respect for the actual mechanics, the logistics of governance. Their concerns are the transfer of power and influence and money to the people who have supported them. And this is what happens. You get a grossly inefficient government, which is what will happen to the USDA, as well as you will get poor outcomes. It will then continue to feed into the idea that government is ineffective because you have people who have no respect or, or no affinity for government yeah so 
And the budgets that the new department will be drawing up will be helping big ag yes. rather than helping the country. That's right. Yeah. This is the brain drain we all feared, possibly a destruction of the agencies. Jack Payne, University of Florida's vice president for agriculture and natural resources, said. Mike Mulvaney, Trump's director of management and budget, said the move was part of draining the swamp. Can you believe that? No, I Mike, do. Because, Mike yeah. Mulvaney is the swamp. He is the swamp. He's the man who sued the Consumer Protection Bureau. Mike Mulvaney. Mike Mulvaney. And, and then they put him in charge of it. So Trump put him in charge of that. Yeah. Uh, this is, again, what Steve Bannon said two weeks after Trump took office. The destruction of the administrative state was one of the top priorities yeah. of, the, of the Trump administration. And this is what they were talking about. Yeah. The destruction of the administrative state. Trump said it was a swamp. This is the actual governance of the country. Not only the governance, but what it is is draining away the brains. That's right. So they can make more money. Yeah. It, it was a wonderful way to sort of streamline government and do what we haven't been able to do for a long time, Mulvaney added. And they started this whole thing by just saying it would be more efficient. Right. Now the truth comes out. They're really doing this just to get rid of people. Right. We're going to have a government that doesn't know what to do in a lot of situations. There's one other political component to all of this, and that is federal, state, and local employees are, by and large, union employees. And the federal employee unions are among the healthiest of all the unions in the entire country. They do contribute a lot of money to political campaigns and predominantly Democratic campaigns. So yeah. this is the other sub-agenda in all of this, is yeah. the destruction of the funding capability yeah. of these of these unions involved. If this news discourages you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI? Because you're listening. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM. KUCI.org. Speaking of food, yes, again, again, a company from Finland, Solar Foods, is planning to bring to market a new protein powder, Soline. That's Soylent. No, no, no. <laughs> people always get off on that. I didn't, never liked Charlton Heston. I didn't either. Yeah. Never thought he was a so good actor. I never actor. saw the movie. No, you know? I, but every... I saw him play Hamlet once. Did you? Yeah, live. You know, I mean, I saw him. I went to the music oh, center. How was that? Horrible. Yeah. I mean, you could tell the other actors were just cringing. Yeah. Overplays everything. Yeah. Anyway, this this Soline or Soline, I guess it's supposed to be Sun. I think that's what they're yeah, trying to do there in Finland. From that socialist country, Finland. Yeah, so yeah. let's, yes. Uh, it's made out of CO2, water, and electricity. That's, that's food. crazy. Isn't this nuts? Yeah. Food made out of CO2, water, <laughs> and electricity. It's a high-protein flour-like ingredient that contains 50% protein content, 5 to 10% fat, and 20 to 25% carbs. CO2, water, and electricity. This is just... Yeah. It looks and tastes like weed flour and could become an ingredient in a wide variety of food products like protein shakes. Protein shakes. And yogurt. Again. Muller wants some. Muller wants some Soline. Again, yeah. tell, our, tell our listeners again, it's made out of... CO2. CO2. Water. We have a lot of CO2. Yeah. Water. 
We got too much CO2. We got a lot of CO2. <laughs> Water and, and electricity. electricity. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You can make food out of that. Celine's manufacturing process is carbon neutral, and it's made from extracting CO2 from air using carbon capture technology and then combining it with water, nutrients, and vitamins using 100% renewable solar energy to promote a natural fermentation process, similar to the one that produces yeast and lactic acid bacteria. Being produced indoors means it's not dependent on arable land or favorable weather. Yeah. So you just get a big warehouse or yeah. whatever you do, well, production line. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? Crickets yeah. and Soline. <laughs> Crickets mm. and Soline with barbecue sauce. Solar Foods, that's the company, plans a global commercial rollout for Soline in 2021 and to be producing 2 million meals annually by 2023. I think they could ramp that up if they wanted to. Yeah. By 2050, they hope to be providing sustenance to 9 billion people as part of a $500 billion dollar protein market. I'm investing in this. Yeah. I'm pulling all my money out of GM. My yeah. says don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> He's one hell of a financial advisor. Yeah. He's got a new yeah. squeak toy. <laughs> well, that's that's where he puts all his yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah, that's yeah, where he yeah, puts yeah, all yeah, his yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Back to the UN report. On land and water resources. Okay. We're going to jump around here. Yeah, we the, re the report highlights the importance of the restoration and protection of forests in mitigating the climate crisis. Governments need to stop deforestation and forest degradation. Yes. We don't need more ranches for cattle, as you were saying, or for grain to feed those goddamn cows. Exactly. We need to cut that out. We're tearing down forests. Forests collectively pull out roughly a third of global CO2 emissions, and the potential for keeping a lid on climate change is even higher with the right restoration and protection plans in place. That's particularly true in the Brazilian rainforest. That is. Yeah. The Amazon. The push for timber, agriculture, and ranching and mining in the largest block of rainforest left on Earth has led to a surge in deforestation rates of 40% in the last three years. Part of the solution could come from overhauling the way we produce food. Right. In other words, don't eat so much goddamn beef. The good news is that we are already seeing diet changes in the U.S. and Europe. People are starting to catch on to this. Right. Well, And to some extent, the meat alternatives are developing to a point where a lot of people are willing to take yeah. that dive. Yeah. Now, Meanwhile... A new UC Riverside study predicts that about 80% of Joshua trees, century-old habitat, will be unbearable for Joshua trees. Yeah. In other words, Joshua Tree National Monument won't have any more Joshua trees. It'll and that's be... the best case scenario. Yeah. Joshua trees have lasted four millennia in the deserts of the Southwest, but because of climate change, roughly 80% of the habitat for Joshua trees in Joshua Tree National Park might not survive the habitat that's out there in San Bernardino, in the mm -hmm. desert, between the 10 and 62 freeways, is dying already as the park gets warmer and drier. As summer high temperatures rise and winter lows go even lower because of climate change, the trees will start to die off in park areas. Start of, some of them will be growing in other places, but eventually that's going to die off too. Because they're not, not the natural habitat, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. In the study's worst-case scenario, the roughly 160,000 acres across the park that have historically supported Joshua trees could fall to just 37 acres by 2100. That's less than the size of University High School. 
just to give you an idea of what yeah. we got here. That would be what would be left from of it. yeah from 160,000 acres. Uh, well, thank God this. Yeah, yeah Mahler, I'm upset. with you, Mahler. Thank he God this Joshua whole thing tree. is a hoax because otherwise, oh this yeah, yeah, this yeah. Would I really forgot. Be, really be well, serious. I was getting excited for nothing. Yeah, there. thank you. Yeah, for... maybe I'm not watching enough Fox News. Mm. It's been said, Mike, that mm. the best way to combat the climate crisis is to plant a tree. Yes, they say that. In one 12-hour period, Mike. Yeah. This week, yeah. Ethiopia planted 350 million trees. And they say that all you need to do is plant a trillion trees and you'd seriously mitigate that's right. the carbon that's, right. that's causing so much of the climate change. As trees grow, they absorb and store carbon dioxide, a major driver of global heating. Researchers estimate that a worldwide tree planting program could remove two-thirds of all emissions that have been pumped into the atmosphere as a result of human activities. Researchers found that tree restoration was among the most effective strategies for climate crisis mitigation. But here's the deal. If you're in a water shortage area, yeah. like Southern California, yeah. that's not where you want to go crazy with all the trees. Because right. then you're going to use a lot of water. That is a counterproductive. Best, yeah, it's best to use uh, native trees because yeah. they're that's use what, of the area. That's what you don't want to overplant. Right. As far as I'm concerned, this whole area where we live in has far too many trees. Yeah. We need to go to places that are dying North, off yeah. and, and places that are going to get rain, which is even more difficult right now because of the changing weather patterns. Right. But nevertheless, if we rely on science, we may be able to pull ourselves out of this because they can at least predict that some areas are going to get wetter. We can try to plant trees there. Right. And congratulations to Ethiopia. 350 million well, trees well, well, in a 12-hour period. Let's do the math. They planted them I know. in a day. Yeah. But they had to get to their seedlings. They had to get to a certain point. Right. You know, maybe this a month. But still, I don't care. that's yeah, just exactly. e- Ethiopia. Matter. If we all got behind us and planted trees in the right areas, we'd probably be able to help ourselves immensely. Well, again, let's say it's 300 million trees and let's say 50 million of them are, you know, are not going to, they were planted poorly. They're not yeah. going to ever sort of take yeah. hold. Well, that's one third of a trillion yeah. right there. Yeah. And they have to grow up too. Well, of they, course they, they do. Yeah. And they have to, of course. Well, we got to get on this now. But this is where, this is the race against the clock, right? Where yeah. as the climate changes, you're planting trees in an area you, with the expectation that they'll grow. But it could be that uh, over time, because of the changes in, yeah. in climate, that they won't have that opportunity. So I say we plant five trillion trees yeah. wherever we wow. uh, wherever seems feasible. You're right. Yeah. You should not be planting them in an area that is going to further exacerbate the water shortage. Yeah. That's start nuts. planting them up in Greenland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ex- yes, plant them in areas where the ice is melting. Right, right. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIradio.tumblr.com, on Twitter at KUCI FM, on Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.org. Oh, there he is. You know, yes. Mahler's excited because those nuclear powers, India and Pakistan. He loves this. They're stuff. at it again. Yeah, they're at it again. Those crazy, those yeah. wacky Hindus and yeah, Muslims yeah, are yeah, at yeah. it again. Yeah, That's right, I know. Mahler. Wow. And nonstop <laughs> laugh-a-rama over yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, we got climate change. Now we got nuclear now annihilation. We... 
Nuclear powers India and Pakistan are at it again, Mike. Yes, they are. India's government announced plans to revoke the special status of Kashmir hours after authorities launched a clampdown in Kashmir, its only Muslim-majority region, cutting off communications and deploying thousands of troops. India's Interior Minister Amit Shah told Parliament the government would scrap a constitutional provision that grants special status for disputed Kashmir and allows the state to make its own laws. So they're not going to be able to do that anymore in Kashmir. And Kashmir is claimed by both India and Pakistan. Like we said, Mm -hmm. most Kashmiris support the rebels, demand that the territory be united either under Pakistani rule or as an independent country. India's decision led to widespread protests across Pakistan and came hours after authorities suspended telephone services and placed state leaders under house arrest. For a long time, India has accused Pakistan of fomenting a decades-long armed insurrection against its rule in the portion of Kashmir controls, which Pakistan, of course, denies. Pakistan, like I said, is under security lockdown that has kept thousands of people in their homes and in the dark about the change, which would strip them of long-held hereditary rights to jobs in Kashmir. Scholarships and land ownership in the disputed region along the mountainous Indian-Pakistan border. That's where it is. The order, which still needs the approval of the ruling party-controlled parliament, revokes Article 370 of India's constitution, eliminating the Indian-administered state's right to its own constitution and decision-making process for all matters except defense, communication, and foreign affairs. And it would allow people from outside India to settle there, too. Yeah. And so what it's they're a, doing is just trying to... It's provocative. It's, yeah. It's they're, like Palestine. You're right. India has uh, more a military presence in Kashmir yeah. as uh, Pakistan. they got ten, at least 10,000 soldiers there in right. Kashmir. Right, right. And this has been disputed since the very uh, formation of both India and Pakistan, which, by the way, fun fact, Pakistan and India actually were one province at one time and they agreed to split it up it was sort of as you said predominantly muslim in pakistan predominantly hindu in india and in kashmir it's this mix and by the way another fun fact about kashmir there's a nice little sliver of that that belongs to china and they have nuclear weapons it's messed up down there that this is again i say it all the time i'm sure people are sick of it but this is the region this is the point on the planet where people point to most often pe- smart people will tell you. Smart people? will say to you, if they know what they're talking about, Kashmir is the most likely trigger for an exchange of nuclear weapons between two countries. Three countries. Anywhere in the world. Yeah. The Federal Reserve announced it will create FedNow, a system that will allow real-time bank-to-bank payments all day, every day, and banks aren't happy about it. They don't like it. The system the central bank runs now closes on weekends and can take several days to settle payments. The Fed took years to decide whether it wanted to create its own payment system or leave it up to commercial banks. Those banks, which have already invested $1 billion into an instant payment platform that they launched in 2017, say they built their system under the assumption the Fed would not build its own. But the big bank service called the clearinghouse has been slow to reach smaller banks that's the other thing slow to they, they've shut out smaller banks because exactly. they want a monopoly exactly. it's going on here exactly. fed now will be accessible to all banks no matter the size 
Good. Yeah. Nationalize the goddamn banks. Yes. Get rid of the bankers. Uh, yes. For God's sakes. Yeah. It's just what sh- money shufflers. Exactly. I hate that crap. It's just the extraction economy. They don't produce anything. Yeah. They take money. You're worthless. You. They just extract money from the Shame economy with no real economic, positive economic input. Yeah. Impact. People who live paycheck to paycheck often need access to their money sooner than it's possible in the current system. That's why FedNow is a good idea. That's one reason that Americans spend tens of billions of dollars every year on overdraft fees, payday lending, and check cashing services. That's right, which are just illegalized extortion. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> why the way, loan sharks. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, loan sharks. By the way, why aren't banks open on Sunday? Because it's God's day, man. <laughs> That's it. I mean, seriously. And the bankers what if, are really concerned about that. They are. Know? They're so God-fearing that uh-huh. it's, you know. The only time Jesus apparently ever got pissed off yeah. was when he went into the temple with the money changers. With the goddamn bankers. With the bankers. The only time he ever got mad was that. Come on, Christians. Wake Jesus. up. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said so. Uh, real-time payments would help people yeah. that are doing payday lending. Yeah. They'd help them avoid these expenses. The technology is already available. You know that. Uh, there's Alibaba. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, in I'm... fact, Zuckerberg had what was that called? Oh, that Libra, the, Libra, the yeah. crypt- cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's already out there. It can happen. Yeah. I wouldn't want what, No, I know you Zuckerberg wouldn't. I know wants, you wouldn't. But want, yeah. the Fed is a good place to start. Yes. And it aims to launch the new Fed Now system, not now. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2023 or 2024. Well, it's just long enough for them to lobby and get some legislation passed so they can't do it. Yeah. Mahler agrees. Banking services. Yeah. What's yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah, that Mahler. I know. I know. Yeah. He yeah. wants he like he wants another hit of Hillsick. <laughs> Is that what he yeah. wants? We well, all could use a little more Hillsick in hit our lives. Of yeah. Hillsick. Yeah. From our good friend Michael Hiltzik at the LA Times. This week's hit of Hiltzik. Yeah. <laughs> Health insurance companies are useless, he says. And I agree. Yeah. Get rid of them. Yeah. What's nuts about the current debate over health care and health coverage is the notion that Americans love their health insurance companies. The insurance companies have managed to conflate our doctors with them. Yeah. That's the big con Deception. Here. Your insurance agent could no more put a stint on your leg than I could. Yeah. That's not going to happen. He's just a middleman. He All is, these guys are yeah, middlemen and, and marketing companies. They don't provide any service except yeah. to pretend like they care. Well, and we don't love our, our insurance company, we don't. do we? Yeah, no. no. This bizarre idea surfaced most recently in the Democratic debate. Yeah. No. Oddly, the position has been treated like a vote loser if, if you want to get rid of insurance companies. Yeah. During the first round of televised debates... Only four of the 20 candidates for a Democratic presidential nomination raised their hands when asked if they would ban private insurers as part of their proposals for universal coverage. That was Liz Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and Bill de Blasio. And Harris later backed away. She had her own Medicare for All proposal that would accommodate private insurers for at least the first 10 years. Right. It's not bad to to have a segue, but still. Yes. Well, and that's more of a psychological thing. And it's more of what are you going to do with all the jobs? Right. Let's segue them into another industry. Yes, there are systems in place that would be very (coughs) difficult to just unhook from right away. I understand that. But who's going to do open heart surgery? All state or your surgeon? 
the current system contributes nothing to the value of the American health care system. It, it doesn't. No. Instead, they've raised costs and created an entitled class of administrators and executives who are ripping you off so they can keep their jobs. And for the love of God, why can't these Democratic candidates make this case when they talk about, well, you're going to have to raise taxes? Why aren't they doing a better job yeah. of saying, yes, but I'm not going to be spending $800 a month on my health care? They do healthcare. okay, but the problem is, and I think is with media, they have this buzzword, yes. taxes. Taxes. They want someone to say taxes, so they I'm have a raise your effing taxes. story. Yeah. That's all they want. That's right. Kamala exactly. Harris will raise your taxes. Taxes. Yeah. My taxes Tax, are going to go, their taxes are going to go up. Yeah, well, you're spending dude, $800 a month or more on health care. Yeah. That is a business tax to yeah. you. It's not a government tax. That's a business tax to a bunch of guys who will never, ever do anything positive for your health. Yeah. They don't do anything. They market they, and they sell. Yeah. And they, salesmen and marketing. And they advertise on cable news like nobody's business. Yeah. They claim to promote consumer choice, simplify the healthcare experience for individuals and families, address the burden of chronic disease, and harness data and technology to drive quality, efficiency, and consumer satisfaction. That's off the website of so a lot is. of insurers. Yes. But that's BS. Private insurers don't do nearly as well as Medicare in holding down costs. That's because they pay so much. The, the more they pay to hospitals and doctors, the more they can charge in premiums and more money flows to their pockets. That's right. They haven't shown notable skill in managing chronic diseases or introducing pro-consumer innovations. So health insurers have been successful at two things, making money and getting the American public to believe that they're essential. Yeah. And that's Michael Hilsick from the LA Times. God thank, bless you, Michael you, Michael. Hilsick. Yes. Yeah. A California-based company called SkyCool Systems. This is so cool. Is in the early stages of manufacturing a cooling system that's more energy efficient than anything humans have used for a century and would help combat climate crisis. It's using radiative cooling, a concept that was used in the Middle East and India hundreds of years ago. Now, once the sun has set and the cooler evening begins, just about everything on Earth the soil, the grass, the roof of your homes, even people give off heat. A lot of that heat rises up into the atmosphere where it transmits out into space, never returning again to Earth. That night sky is very chilly, and objects sending heat upward at night send up more heat than the whole sky is sending back down. So hundreds of years ago, People in India and Iran used this concept to make ice in climates with temperatures above freezing. Water was filled into large and shallow ceramic pools that were surrounded and insulated by hay, and then the pools were left out on clear nights. It sounds counterintuitive, but if the air wasn't too far above freezing, the heat emitted by the water made it lower in temperature than the surrounding air, allowing it to freeze. It's the same principle at play when you wake up in a summer morning and find a layer of frost or dew on your car. SkyCool's invention looks a lot like solar panels. It's a flat metal panel. It's covered in a sheet of high-tech film. This was the invention. The high-tech film reflects the light and heat of the sun so effectively that the temperature beneath the film can drop 9 to 18 degrees Fahrenheit lower than the air around it. A system of pipes behind the metal panel are exposed to the colder temperature cooling the fluid inside before it's sent out to current-day refrigeration systems. And that's that. We got a cooling system. Despite all of the dire predictions about climate change, and I have no doubt that we're going to be dealing 
for a while with those consequences, no matter what we do now. However, there can be light at the end of this crisis. Yeah. If we start acting now, there will be a period of time that we will be dealing with the brunt of it, but we will be moving in the right direction. Speaking of cooling systems, yes, it was reported that Jeffrey Epstein, who is in prison awaiting the trial for sex trafficking of minors, wanted his head and penis to be cryogenically frozen <laughs> as part of his plan to seed the human race with his DNA. Yeah. Now, he and Trump used to party together uh, a lot, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And then this is what he thinks... That's, this is what he thinks is good for the human race, mm -hmm. is his penis... Being frozen. Being frozen. For the future. And this... You, you know they say about the company you keep, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And finally, yeah. after experiencing jaw discomfort since the age of three, a seven-year-old boy in India had 547 teeth removed. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.